Today we're going to look at this truth, a very familiar truth, that God is able. God is able. 1 Kings chapter 17, and we're going to be verses 9 through 24. For some reason, when I was starting to put together this series of stories of hope, this is the first one that came to me, and I thought, as I thought about Mother's Day, I thought there's a story of an incredible mother, and maybe it would be encouragement to all of us as we could think about her faith, but then also the faithfulness of the Lord and his servant in her life. So let's look together, 1 Kings chapter 17, beginning in verse 9. The word of God says, Arise, and get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gates of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her, and he said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. Don't you love how your preacher brings the real happy messages on the holidays, right? It gets better. Hang with me, all right? This one's just for fun, but a reminder about uh, sometimes the excuses that we make in our lives, even for days like this. One Sunday morning, two men are out in a boat fishing. After several hours on the lake without catching a single fish, one of the men says to his friend, you know, we probably should have stayed home and gone to church this morning. The other man says, well, I could have stayed home, but I couldn't have gone to church. Well, why is that? Asked his friend. My wife is sick. Did you get it? Or is it just that bad? Right? Will the Lord provide? That's what I want to think about today. Will the Lord provide? God doesn't always answer by sending checks in the mail. And here's what I want you to hear. Hear me today. I'll be careful with this. Um, this is not a message that said God always heals. He does always heal ultimately. Did you hear what Rick read this morning? Woo, that's so good. I want to preach that whole passage today. What did he say? What did the three Hebrew boys say? Our God will deliver us. But even if he does not, we are not bowing down to you, O king, right? I mean, they were shaking their head. I can hear, see them say, even if he does not. <laughs> Listen up, O king, even if he does not, we're going to be okay. And hear me today. Even if the Lord doesn't deliver the, thing, the way you think he's going to deliver, you're going to be okay. If your trust is in him. And that's our story of hope today. God hears the prayers of the righteous. He is attentive to their cry. All right, let's look first this morning at some unlikely provision, some unlikely provision. Down in verse 7, 1 Kings 17. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came to him, go at once to Zarephath of Sidon, stay there. I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. The brook dried up, and there's a lot in that. And again, we're not going to go through the whole book of 1 Kings. 
But what has Elijah done? What Elijah has done here is he has commanded that there would be no rain on the land. And so for three, three and a half years, Jesus will say, there is no rain on the land. Now, as a result of that, what's going to happen? Some people are going to struggle, right? Can, can you hear it this way? Some good people are going to struggle. Just a real quick aside this morning, our sin can still have consequences on good people, right? And so this is all going to be because the people of Israel have been worshiping Baal, and you guys know how the end of the story goes. It gets so good, Elijah goes up on the mountain, calls down fire. They're dumping water everywhere. There's been no water in the land for three and a half years, and they're dumping water everywhere. And the next thing you know, the Lord comes down, and he sucks it up, and then won't see much longer after that, the rain comes, right? But here we're in the famine. Here we're in the drought. The Lord has been taking care of his servant. Again, here's another truth this morning. God does take care of his. If you put your trust in him, he will provide along the way. It was so good on uh, last Monday night. We were in the jail, and we were talking about temptation. And one of the brothers shared the truth that it, whatever temptation you're facing, the, the passage that gets abused so often is people will say, well, God won't give you more than you can handle. That's not what it says. <laughs> he says that he will provide a way of escape from the temptation. And the Lord will provide a way for those who trust him if they put their trust in him. So now God's going to provide for um, Elijah in a little different way. And the first thing I want you to catch there in verse 8, the word of the Lord went to him in verse 9. He says, go to Zarephath of Sidon. Is that in Israel? So God is sending the Israelite where to get his help? Those Gentiles. What? Right? Really? You're going to have me get my provision and my sustenance from someone that, that my, for generations, my people cannot stand. That's where I'm going to go? That's where the Lord is sending his servant to Zarephath. And here's what I want you to think about today for all of us, especially for the preacher too. God doesn't always provide in the way you think he's going to. Okay? But we, sat, we have to trust him. Okay? Go to Zarephath. Stay there. I've commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. Here's another simple truth. Did the widow know what was going on yet? <laughs> the Lord says, I've commanded a widow, and she doesn't even know her part in the story yet, right? And again, sometimes, like Ray shared a little bit, you may be doing some things for people and not even realize what the Lord is doing in that situation. So what I want to remind you is Jesus shares the same story in Luke chapter 4, verse 24. He says, truly I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years, and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon, right? Again, Jesus even says, a prophet's without honor in his own country. Sometimes God sends us to places that we're not sure about in order to demonstrate his faithfulness. Now, God knows that this widow is going to make provision. And again, the reminder, first thing this morning is be careful about boxing in God. You may think he needs to take care of it this way, but he may have a whole different way to take care of things. Be open to his provision. Be sensitive to his spirit, and the Lord will deliver. Second thing this morning, little is much. Look down if you would there in verse 10, little is much. So the scripture tells us, 
he, being Elijah, went to Zarephath, and when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her, and he asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Right? Think about that. Go home and do as you have said, but first make a small cake of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Again, think about who he's talking to. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. And she went away and she did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar, jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Just reading that is good, isn't it, right? Think about that, right? Elijah gets to his destination. He sees the woman gathering sticks, and she's just trying to gather some sticks to make a little fire, one little last fire. He asks for water. She goes to get the water, and then he asks for some bread, and the widow begins to spill her heart to Elijah. What's she tell him? I don't have any bread. That's how poor I am. I don't even have any bread. In this famine and this drought, I basically have nothing except just a little bit of flour and I got a little bit of oil and I'm about to go make our last meal for me and for my son. How can I help someone when I'm in need of help myself? Right? I can't. You say, I can't do that. Right? Can you think what was being asked of this woman? <laughs> I mean, Elijah comes up and Elijah basically says to her, I want you to help me out first and then the Lord will take care of you. That just sounds like any TV preacher you've ever heard, doesn't it, right? I mean, that's what it sounds like. But in this case, it's actually the Lord really is moving. And think about the faith of this woman, right? For her to honor this request. She's not an Israelite. This is not her heritage. This is not her tradition. This is some strange prophet has walked to her and says, hey, why don't you feed me first, and then we'll make sure that you're taken care of but I feel like the Lord was very much at work in her heart and in her situation. Again, what we sometimes we don't realize exactly what we have until it's a little bit too late. Let me give you a quick illustration. If Danny Simpson had known more about guns, he might not have needed to rob the bank. But in 1990 in Ottawa, Canada, this 24-year-old went to jail and his gun went to a museum. He was arrested for robbing a bank of $6,000 and then sent to jail for six years. He had used a 45 caliber Colt semi-automatic, which turned out to be an antique pistol made by the Ross Rifle Company in 1918. The pistol was worth $100,000, much more than he had stolen. If he had just known what he carried in his hand, he wouldn't have robbed the bank. In other words, he already had what he needed. Can I tell you today, you probably already have what you need. The Lord is providing. And if, if he, you don't have it, he can provide it. But we got to be careful to trust him and to really, again, not box him in. So again, I love Elijah's words to the widow. What does he say to her? Don't be afraid, right? 
don't be afraid. Fear God. Don't fear anyone else. Listen for the Lord's voice and then make the courageous decision. Maybe this week you've got some fear in you about some decisions you need to make. And the Lord's speaking to you this morning. Don't be afraid. Trust in him. The Lord will lead you. And so the faith of this woman, this Gentile woman is so amazing. She goes and she makes the cake out of the flour and the oil. And then the most amazing thing happens. The next morning, this is penology here. They get up, they go downstairs, and the little flask that had the flour in it that was empty the night before and the little jug of oil that was empty the night before, when they come back downstairs in the morning, it's full. Would that really increase your faith? And every day, just like manna in the wilderness, every day that they would get up in the morning and go downstairs, there is flour and there is oil. And here's the truth. We sang it this morning. Great is thy faithfulness, right? How often are his mercies? They're new every morning. And one of the first sermons I ever preached when I came here where the Lord really touched my heart about this idea. The Lord doesn't give you mercy for Thursday when it's Sunday. He gives you mercy for Sunday. And we worry about Thursday. We worry about Friday. The Lord says, I'm not giving you that. Each day's got enough trouble of its own, but I give you mercy for today. And I think that's why instead of giving them barrels and barrels of oil and flask and flask of flour, the Lord gave them enough because every morning they'd get up and they'd be like, thank you, Lord, for the mercy today. Isn't the Lord good to us? Right? Yesterday, the preacher was driving along and uh, we were crossing a divided highway. Isaiah was with me. We were coming back from camping. I was pretty tired and I get ready to cross this highway and I was waiting for another car to turn, so I let him turn, and I started to go across, and the big old semi is coming. I'm like, oh, I better beat this semi, but I think I'm okay. So I push down on the accelerator, and Isaiah goes, stop! And I start to slow down. I'm like, why is he saying stop until this great big SUV going about probably 65 goes right in front of us and probably misses us by about that much, you say, Isaiah? It's pretty close. Maybe it's closer for us. We felt like it was like this, but it was probably like this. And it was one of those moments where, like, you saw the Lord's mercy, his grace in our life. There's no reason... I mean, it could have went a thousand different ways. And you guys all have stories the same way, right? But what Sintel would remind us, as he's always sharing, is to thank the Lord for his mercies in those moments, right? Every morning, the Lord gives us mercy. Every morning, there's flour in the jar. Every morning, there's oil in the jug. And I want to remind you today, the Lord's got the same promise for you. He has provision for today. All right, let's look at the source of life. Look down at verse 17. Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. And he grew worse and worse. And he finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, what do you have against me, man of God? Do you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Give me your son, Elijah replied. He took, her from, took him from her arms and carried him to the upper room where he was staying. And he laid him on his bed. And then he cried out to the Lord, Oh, Lord, my God, have you brought tragedy also upon this widow I'm staying with by causing her son to die? And he stretched himself out on the boy three times, and he cried to the Lord, Oh, Lord, my God, let this boy's life return to him. And the Lord heard Elijah's cry, and the boy's life returned to him, and he lived. And Elijah picked up the child and carried him down from the room and into the house. And he gave him to his mother and said, Look, your son is alive. And the woman said to Elijah, 
Now I know that you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is truth. Now, just to give you a little picture, and again, I'm going by other people I studied after, but it sounds like that in this house, there would have been almost like an outside upstairs room that Elijah would have lived in. So not necessarily in the same absolute spot. But as he was outside and the woman was in, something happens to this woman's son where he becomes very, very ill all the way to the point that he completely stops breathing. And what does the woman say to Elijah? This is what really kind of stands out to me. Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? What's in her heart that she would say that? Have we ever been that way with the Lord? Lord, why is this bad thing happening to me? Is it just because you're letting me know of the bad things I've done? There was some really intense guilt in this woman's heart, wasn't there? Right? I mean, she felt like this is all my fault. She was mad at Elijah because maybe he was the one being the instrument of, of judgment, but she was really mad at herself. I'm the guilty one. I'm the one that's causing this pain to my child. It's because of my sin. What does she need? She needs forgiveness. And who can deliver that? The Lord. All the people that you're working with, the people in your neighborhood, the people in your family, so many of them have that same pressure on them, that same guilt, that same wearing out of their sin. And what they need is to find forgiveness in the Lord. So Elijah steps down. He takes the little boy. And I, I love this picture. And again, this is my picture here, but the way that this, the author here words it is he had to take the boy out of her arms. Do you see that? Right? Again, penology here a little bit, but she's clinging to this boy that's no longer breathing, and she cannot let him go. Maybe again, a little bit of a spiritualizing here, but the same idea, you've got some things in your life that you've clung to and they're not working and you won't let them go right but what's the man of god do give me the boy and this same woman that for whatever reason decided to to provide for elijah before she opens her arms and elijah takes the boy and then he has compassion and then he has a prayer man elijah we know the bible says this about elijah he prayed that it wouldn't rain and what happened it stopped raining, and he prayed that the rain would come again, and wow, it rains, right? This man, excuse me, <coughs> this man is powerful in prayer, takes the boy, goes upstairs, lays him out. <clears throat> what does he say to the Lord? You see how he says it to him? Like, I don't even know if I could talk to the Lord that way. Look at how he words it, right? He cried to the Lord, oh, Lord, my God. Let this boy's life return to him. Have you brought tragedy upon the widow I am staying with by causing her son to die? Would you talk to God that way? That's a powerful prayer, isn't it, right? He is begging God to provide. And what happens? The boy gets his breath back. Can you imagine that? I mean, just laid out there and all of a sudden... <sighs> Now think about the mother. What happens when he comes back downstairs and the boy is breathing? However ah, you want to celebrate. I can't believe this. Oh, this is the best day of my life. You have brought what was dead back to life. 
And that's why I titled this little section, The Source of Life, because who does that? The author of life can do that, right? And he does here in this situation. And she says, now I know you're a man of God, and the word of the Lord from your mouth is truth. Thank you, sir. So here's a simple point of this, you guys. Our God is able to provide. He does it time and time and time again. What does the widow woman confess about Elijah? Verse 24 right there. Do you see the whole point of this, right? I mean, it was good that the Lord did the miracle of the flour and the oil. And it's incredible that she raised the, the widow woman's son back to life. But what's the point? Again, she's not an Israelite. And she says, I know that you are a man of God. And the word of the Lord from your mouth is truth. Who was honored in this? God was. Like Paul said, and they praise God because of me. Elijah's in the same boat here, right? This was all about this widow woman coming to a place to recognize and to know the creator of the world, the source of life, was Jehovah God. And now I'm going to guarantee you there is a Christian in Zarephath after this. <laughs> Amen? All right. So real simple. Let's wrap this up this morning. We'll kind of get this all on the same page here today. God provides time and time again. And here's the thing. He doesn't always do it as we expect. Uh, one of the hardest things that my mom and I, we talked about this, that we ever encountered was um, whenever my brother Tyler, he's a missionary over there in Champaign, Illinois. He teaches English to students there to try to share the gospel with them. Whenever they were having their first twins, they had Miles and Mason. And Miles and Mason were really preemie. I'm trying to remember for sure the date, but I feel like I don't even know if they made it to 30 weeks. It was really, really short. And so uh, Miles did a little better. Mason was really struggling there in the uh, neonatal unit there in Champaign. And we prayed and we prayed and we begged and we prayed. And there would be ups and downs. You know how it is in the hospital, right? You get some good news and then everything's, oh, it's going to get better. And then you get some bad news. You're like, oh, it's going to be terrible. And we prayed and we prayed and he died. You ever been there? And it wasn't too much longer. My mom was at a different service. I was in a service. This gospel group was coming through and they showed a picture of a baby that was a preemie baby. And they're like, we prayed and we prayed. And now... He's doing great. The Lord's alive. And what we want to say is, why? Why didn't you deliver? And that's what I wanted to be careful with today. I didn't want you to hear this message and be like, well, every time you pray, everything just turns out just incredible, right? But the Lord has used little miles passing to do glorious things in my brother's family, in my mom and her life, in me and Wendy's life to remind us to trust him. They still celebrate Miles Heaven Day, they call it, every April. And so I want to challenge you guys today, okay, that even if he does not, like Rick said, we're not bound down because we know that ultimately he does. Justice is coming. It will come, but we have to trust the Lord. And we really have to trust him. Okay, last illustration will be dismissed this morning. This is from Phil Lindberger. This is a little bit back. This is probably back about um, maybe about 20 years 
And there is a movement in China, and it has really transformed. We'll talk about it in just a second. In recent years, many studies have focused on what's taking place in communist China among Christians. The reason people are studying is because when the communists took over in China, there were several hundred thousand Christians. Again, a place of a billion people, right? The churches were closed under communist China. The Red Guard went on a rampage, and anywhere they found a cross, they tore it down. The cross was despised. Christians were put in prison and driven to the countryside. In recent years, with the new administration in communist China, the relaxing of those rules and regulations and the reopening of churches, they discovered that there are now multiple millions of Christians. Up until the communists took over, when people were free to do as they pleased, they had hundred thousands. Once the persecution took place, suddenly Christians began to multiply, and there are multiple millions. Paul Kaufman, who had been there along with his family and observed what's taking place, wrote a book called China, The Emerging Challenge. In that book, he gives a clue as to why during the days of persecution, millions of people would come to know Christ. He talks about the Jesus family of northern China. Now listen to this group of believers. In 1942, there was a tremendous drought in northern China. Aid began to pour in from the outside to help these people who were starving. The Jesus family refused to take the aid. They continued to feed their people. Not only that, but they gave away the harvest. They worked up from 10% to 20%, and finally they worked up to where they gave away 90% of what they harvested. They supplied the food for 500 people from 43 acres of land, and the communists could do only one family per acre of land. Somebody said to the leader of those people, why would you refuse when others were starving? And here's what he had to say. He said, those foreign churches would have robbed us of our anchor. It is our financial needs that drive us to our knees and force us to cry to him. Wow, right? Now, when the Lord sends you help, you better accept it when it's from him, right? But what the reminder there is for us to stay desperate and to stay trusting of the Lord, okay? Just again, reminder today, there is hope. It is hope alive and well. All right, let's stand this morning. Thank you guys again for your patience and your listening ear. I don't know where your heart is uh, today. Hopefully there's uh, some reasons that you can see hope, but maybe today you're recognizing that there's some struggle in some places and you don't know where provision is going to come from. And what I'm going to try to remind you again today is don't box in the Lord. All right. Don't box him in. Trust him and then obey him and see where he's leading. Also today, just a reminder, it doesn't take, God doesn't need much. As a matter of fact, we talked last week, he makes out of nothing, right? So be mindful of that too. And then today, I want to challenge you to be an Elijah, to step out in prayer, to step out in faith, and to be bold. Again, in the book of Hebrews, chapter four reminds us that we should come before the throne of grace with confidence that we might find mercy and grace in our time of need.